in a galaxy far, far away, there was a beautiful, perfect podcast called The Vanquisher's Guide. And that podcast is right now. I'm your host, Bradley. And I'm Bryce. And I'm Randy. So I'm so excited for today because we are diving into Star Wars, which is probably my favorite thing. What you live for. It's literally my entire identity. (laughs) Yeah. I'm surprised it took me this long. (laughs) I'm just excited because I got called beautiful. Right? (laughs) I was looking your way. Just been chomping at the bit, man. Ready to go for Star Wars. (laughs) Um, Yeah, so... When I when we, like we started this podcast and stuff, I was like, "Oh, Rancors would be cool. Oh, other Star Wars creatures might not, you know, <laughs> insert you know. <laughs> X Star Wars creature." Just like the world of Star Wars introduces so many cool monsters that I love talking about. I could talk about Star Wars constantly for the rest of my life, probably. Yeah. Um, yeah, we could probably do like an entire podcast on just like Star Wars creatures. They're so oh, awesome, man. Probably, and so um, I might throw in star wars every every episode no, i'm just kidding um but like, i i might do like a a star wars episode every once in a while just to mm-hmm. talk about them so to um and before we go any further i will probably always stay on canon i probably won't go much into the legends i'm sorry every star wars fan that likes legends but that's but just i don't know about the free the uh sarlacc pit jedi that became a jedi and he pulled himself out of the sand and started going around the galaxy. Yep. I want to know about this. In Legends, there was a Tusken Raider that became a Jedi. Why am I not surprised? Um, mm. It's pretty cool. But uh, are, t- are Tusken Raiders like genetically different or are they just angry sand people? Or are they just so, like regular humans that just went out and put on a mask? Sorry, this is a total as, side no, note. No, it's fine. I actually, we will be talking about... T- so we're going to be on Tatooine anyways today, so that's fine. That's because um, that's where Star Wars is. The as only far as, planet. As far as I know, Tusken Raiders are related to humans um, in the evolutionary chain uh-huh. and everything, but because of the harsh climates of Tatooine and not having these giant cities and like Mos Eisley and everything to block sandstorms and stuff, they became really disfigured, therefore uh, needing the, the mask or like, and, and basically the, the mask, mask started to turn into kind of their skin and everything. And so like, it's kind of like a machine person in a, in a sense. I'm not, I'm like, I'm not completely sure. I don't Were they really born know. with machine parts. Not really. So it, it it's like, but it's like I'm pretty sure it's implants. But again, I could be wrong. Um, so they're like they're babies that are born with like massive very lung problems and whatnot. Yeah. So to keep them alive, they have to like emergency medical stitch on process to like well, them that. But lung. but also their their disfigurement also is an evolutionary chain to help them survive the weather more. They can yeah. tolerate they can tolerate like weird food. Like if you remember in the Mandalorian show. Uh-huh how they were, didn't have water, and so they were drinking from, like, that mini pumpkin thing that was, right. like, disgusting smelling water. So, like, they, they've adapted in good ways, and also, because of that, have become a little mm-hmm. disfigured. Gotcha. So, so. They almost kind of sound like how, like, uh, Neanderthals are to humans, you know? Yes. Whoa, harsh. Hey, I mean, you know, evolution. I mean, but that implies that the humans, therefore, are just, like, evolved better versions of the well, they are. People. I would say they're evolved different versions, not better or worse. They're like the same well, people so, are fine. They're they're like, just different. They're, it's like a it's a fork in the path, not a straight line with the one the sand people being behind and humans being forward. It's a fork where like humans went one way and sand people still advancing went the other. There's a time like in in like the Earth timeline, humans and Neanderthals lived together for about like ten. A so humans years, killed them about, off. About a thousand years, I think. Or I don't know. I don't exactly. I'm not an evolutionary biologist, but for a long time. And then at some point, Neanderthals just left the face of the earth and then humans kept going. They went to space. <laughs> and they Probably became not. sand people. And the reason I see is it. I get this. Well, but the reason is because uh at least from what we believe, uh Neanderthals couldn't uh didn't have speech uh the part of the brain didn't allow them to have proper speech. They couldn't ever create their own language, just kind of like the sand people, except they did find out a way to create their own language. And then also they couldn't, um, the part of the brain wasn't able to create like uh, more intuitive tools. And so they were Mm. stuck in a certain age that they couldn't progress out of. And so Tusken Raiders, yeah, maybe in 
Tatooine in this in this like in like the wasteland of Tatooine yeah maybe they can thrive but put them somewhere where they're not in that situation they probably wouldn't be able to survive okay. they so I feel like it as far as sand I mean it is a stretch a little bit but I feel like it's close enough to where yes Tusken Raiders in their situation are fine but still I mean even compared to look at Mos Eisley compared to their huts and stuff Mos Eisley is much more flourishing city and it took them way less time yeah i suppose i suppose i mean i but, just i didn't want i didn't want to be the one saying that they're primitive <laughs> people and that they can't I, I was figuring they were primitive just because in that environment and they haven't innovated and they're just like that's their tribal mentality is like just like there's native americans or not native americans there's like tribal people in like africa that they're still living with like huts and stuff but that's just because they haven't needed to advance i was kind of figuring that was the same with sand people where like they're not like biologically inferior they're just haven't needed to innovate so therefore that's the way that they are but what do i know i mean maybe they are just genetically different and well i I, I mean i don't don't know i I mean i again not a not a evolutionary biologist but i would just i'd say that humans in the star wars are able to live in a lot of environments as long as techn- they have their technology sand people are specifically able to survive in tatooine because of yeah their evolution. and that's so that's true you never see you know, a, a sand person on coruscant or something yeah except so that would be funny a jedi i guess that'd be crazy man <laughs> but let's let's get anyway, on over to the note. monster the monster side of tatooine you're saying um, that the sand people aren't monsters how kind of you no i would say they're they're people just different just different <laughs> they're, just they're, different. they're better in their own ways and they're i mean just different from humans they can survive a sandstorm probably much easier than a human could so oh the name. heck yeah um but let's 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 start with one of my what? favorite creatures in star wars um not Womp only rats? because wombrats you knew it <laughs> i got you know, it um the the sarlacc um, um as seen in Star Wars Episode Six, which is Return of the Jedi, um, so the the worst part about this assignment is I had to watch the Star Wars again. That does sound wow. like a pretty bad man. part about this assignment. Just so I will I will continue to do these Star Wars episodes just so I have an excuse to keep <laughs> watching Star Wars. Everyone around um, you, oh my goodness, are we watching the, the entire series again, dude? <laughs> I'm pretty There's not sure even watched... a Starlock in this episode. Yeah, but I mean, I'm pretty sure I watch it. all of Star Wars, including the TV shows, at least once a year. That's impressive. That is it's very of... impressive. It's a lot of work. Well, it's get and it gets harder and harder. So I, like, maybe yeah. it's it's the Clone Wars. That's just so so long. It's so good, but it's so long. But uh, the Starlock is not in any of the Clone Wars episodes, so I won't yeah. let myself go that <laughs> rabbit hole. That's um, like when. Uh... I was younger, me and my brothers would all watch all of the Lord of the Rings before Black Friday and then go shopping in Black Friday, having not slept the night before. And then Oof. when the Hobbits were coming out, then we're like, oh, this has just got a lot harder because we just got an extra three movies that we have to watch. And then you they have were to all snap bad. for like three days straight. Uh-huh. And Seriously? now with the show coming out as well, it's like, ooh, this is going to be tough. So it gets, gets pretty yeah. difficult the more they add to anything. And goes you know it, they're they're only just gonna keep adding to every uh-huh. every little trilogy that's done good. But good news is then we get more cool. Oh, I'm not like these guys. I will keep spending my money on Star Wars, Lord of the Rings, anything like that. My money is spent. So same. Um, but so one of my favorite, uh, or the quote, it's not even gonna be my favorite. It's one of the quotes from Star Wars: uh, Return of the Jedi, talking about the Sarlacc pit. Or the Sarlacc and its pit. So uh, C-3PO um, is translating for Jabba the Hutt. He says, You will therefore be taken to the Dune Sea and cast into the pit of Karkoon, a nesting place for the all-powerful Sarlacc. Han Solo then says, Well, that doesn't sound so bad. C-3PO uh, responds, In its belly, you will find a new definition of pain and suffering as you will sl- be slowly digested over a thousand years. Chewbacca goes, <laughs> Whatever that is. And then Han Solo Sounds says, second thought, uh, Let's pass on that, huh? Um, and so just, just, you know, you'll find a new definition of pain and suffering as you're slowly digested for a thousand years. Not my cup of tea. 
So, what do you mean, man? Sounds like fun. Yeah, sounds like a blast. My so, first thought, though, it is, I'm sure, not accurate and like probably just a, an exaggeration. It leads me to think maybe the Sarlacc pit can uh, extend people's lives, make them live longer, because he says digested over a thousand years, and people don't normally live for thousands of years. <laughs> so maybe he can make you live forever just so that way your life will just be pure agony. I actually Which, will be answering true, that question torture. in a hot minute. So, um, I was thinking it was just little lies. For everyone wanting to know that hasn't seen Star Wars what this thing looks like, I'm going to make a reference to another nerdy thing, so I'm sorry, but in Harry Potter, the uh, what's that screaming baby tree thing? Uh, Mandrake. Mandrake. Oh. Um, so it kind of looks like that, except tentacles instead of roots, and yeah. um, doesn't scream as bad, but it has <laughs> like way more teeth. So what it looks like basically is it's 3 meters wide, about 10 feet, and then about 100 meters or 328 feet long. Um, so this guy is massive. Um, big boy it's usually like a tan or sandy color um it's got a lot of tentacles and its head comes into a beak um so uh, kind of like a i'm trying like kind, like, kind a of like a squid snake head squid head. yeah perfect it's, it's yeah, basically a squid, like a squid beak basically like a kraken kraken yeah like i like think you could almost think of it like a uh like a sand kraken you know, yeah. but you only see its mouth like poking out of uh, the ground, kind of like how an antlion sets its trap. Mm -hmm. The that's how the Sarlacc pit is. Yeah, and obviously because it's in sand, it doesn't move like a normal uh, squid does. It's not like mobile in the water. It just kind of yeah, Sarlacc find a home, which is normally a kind of pit, and they make it themselves, and then they stay there. They're not very mobile. Um, so you can find uh, Sarlaccs on a variety of planets, um, including Tatooine, Volusia, um, Vorkoria Prime, and uh, Vodren. Um, also other uh, planets, but those are like the main ones. Um, so Wikipedia did, did say that they were omnivorous, but I, I don't think so. Um, I'm sure they maybe can live on it, but they're very much uh, carnivorous because they do eat people and that they thrive on that they eat um, animals so probably not as omnivorous as wikipedia says it is but it's fine they won't die if they eat a tree but they prefer yes. human. yeah yeah i was gonna ask and like uh so would plants just fall into their mouth or like i can't really imagine so, a situation well, in which so imagine <laughs> i mean if you're looking at it on tatooine no because there's probably no big source of vegetation but like on Flucia and stuff they can probably grab with their tentacles stuff more easily where there's like trees or there's animals and trees and so they might eat an animal that's on a tree and they just eat a ball or something i don't know gotcha. oh okay so maybe it just like eats vegetation almost by accident with the intention maybe. of eating animals yeah makes sense Though after a while i would assume that they would lose any veg vegetation that used to be around there because they're since they're not moving, vegetation would just slowly stop growing around them. Because they don't move, they're very similar to animals that just, so I mean, they, they just don't have to eat that much because they, they stay stationary and um, they digest for so long, they're able to keep nutrients on their body much longer and so they don't have to eat as much. That's why they can survive and thrive on planets that don't have, like, mm -hmm. like Tatooine, that don't have huge populations of animals that like migrate across or whatever. Sure. Um, but I would never recommend going to like fight a sarlacc or even, you know, looking at it. They are very, very dangerous, um, as we could obviously tell in the movie Star Wars. Just um, drop a bomb down the mouth. Problem solved. <laughs> Maybe they're they're pretty tough. Um, I don't. I mean, I'm sure a bomb would work. <laughs> you but... just gotta get a really big bomb. <laughs> but even blaster fire wasn't even damaging it. Right. Bunch of thermal detonators, man. <laughs> <laughs> um. So the one that we do see in um, Return of the Jedi is a is one of the favorite pets of Jabba the Hutt. Um, also, the Rancor's his like buddies. Oh, his second well. favorite. Oh man! Well, Come no, because, on. because the Rancor's it great. It wasn't his pet though. Remember that like bigger. Yeah, there was like the dude that cried. Like so I'm guy. guessing it was oh, his pet, and then it kind of just became Jabba's, you know, 
pet because of that, you know. I don't by, know. Pet by association. Um, but the uh, like I mentioned in the um, quote, he this one specifically lived in the Great Pit of Carcoon, um, and it's very well known throughout Tatooine. He is probably the most famous Sarlacc on Tatooine. Um, but there so was that the name of that Sarlacc. Is, it, is the Sarlacc's name Carcoon? Car- because if you gotta have a pet, you gotta name it. So does that mean that that's what the name of the pit? I don't the think Jabba the Hutt was interested in naming stuff because C- so he, as C-3PO was translating, he just called him the all-powerful Sarlacc. So he might even be the biggest, strongest oh, Sarlacc sick. on Tatooine. So they just they named the pit, but not the creature in the pit. That's so rude. <laughs> right that's like naming your house but then not having it like someone's like oh yeah and then there's the house with the name and then there's the person who lives in there who cares about that person <laughs> nobody right. cares well maybe you don't want people to get confused about what you're sending them into you know? <laughs> and if you're like a if you're a gangster and you have like a pet yeah. tiger you don't want to be like oh man give him to snuggles you know be <laughs> like what the heck is snuggles man be like nah man give him the tiger dude that's fair, I suppose. Yeah, I guess that's a good point. It's a scare task tactic, so I can't say the word. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I don't, I don't know. I have never met someone that's met a sarlacc, but I would say you're right because I don't like. I don't think the rancor had a name. Yeah, that's I true. I, I, I just feel like they're not pets, really. They're or at least not a name that anyone they're shared. Tool. Well, they're, they're, I mean, I feel like they're more tools used by yeah. people to, you know, whatever. So I don't think they human humanized them or like per, had any like personification. They were just sure these these things that they used for fear, like Bryce said. Um, so these things um, are not alone. Um, Star Wars did great and was able to actually give them kind of like a genealogical graph of you know its ancestors huh. um so if a sarlacc went on to uh ancestry.com they would find they, they could find that they're actually related to a couple other creatures in the star wars universe um so in star wars um episode seven the force awakens we get introduced to the Rathar, um which is on han solo ship when he uh when ray and finn get the millennium falcon and get like captured by han solo um, those like squid jiggly monsters that are on didn't there. Didn't they call them? Didn't they call them I thought they called them Rathtars. Rathtar might be in Rathtar. Yeah, sorry. I don't know. But uh, that's that's those guys. I mean, so they are um, related to the Sarlacc, and I'll explain a little bit of the connection after. But so that that's that one. They're also related to the um, Blixus, which if you have seen Star Wars Rebels. Um, these guys live in space, eat hyperfuel that has not been gathered by you know someone, um, mm-hmm. and then have the ability material. to jump into hyperspace. Um, as far as I know, they're the nope, there's a couple that can uh do that, but there's like a whale one as well. But mm. these guys can jump through hyperspace, hyperspace, it's very cool. Um, so and then, would this be the, the same like hyperdrive fuel that they gathered in Rogue One? Did they gather hyperspace? They grab gathered uh, kyber crystals. Yeah, oh, it? dang it. Was it kyber oh, crystals? It was kyber crystals. That's what powers the uh, Death Star. Yeah, that's right. They just jammed it into their hyperdrive because they wanted it to look cool. That's what I remember. Oh, that's fair. No, in Han Solo, they were they got... Uh, dang it! Han Solo. Not rogue. I don't know. Bryce, There's I like was right there with you. And... I'm sorry. Bryce, <laughs> I was thinking about Han Solo as well, so I was like, was it kyber crystals? I'm so... I didn't think it was i was also thinking of han solo yes that one i believe was hyperfuel or something of a sort speaking um, of han solo sorry y- yes uh, no, you're good but that giant like space kraken is that any way related to sarlax it might have been um but i didn't find anything that said it was okay so i apologize um and the last one i did want to talk about was the vixus um, if you've seen Star Wars Clone Wars, I'm not going to say the episode and season because I don't know, but it's the one where that Jedi that turns to the dark side, he's got like the four arms and all his uh, lightsabers are double-sided. Pretty cool guy. Um, on that kind of like jungly planet, basically mm-hmm. it pretends to be a plant and its tentacles are like pretend to be roots. And if you like 
go near him, he can grab you and then eat you. Um, so those are all relatives of the Sarlacc. Uh, but Sarlaccs are bigger than all of these guys and uh, more powerful slash durable. Um, but these guys are, the other ones are like faster and have different cool abilities like being able to live in space and whatnot. Um, so they're all very cool, but the Sarlacc is definitely the biggest and scariest of them all. So, so if you have, oh, yes, go for it. Please. Oh, I was going to ask. So the the Sarlacc, is it much danger if you just don't go near the pit? No, because it doesn't move and stuff. It's not dangerous at all. Okay. So I don't know. Personally, I would I would think that the, the other ones that can move around will be a little bit more scary. But I guess if you're not watching where you're going, this guy's a death trap. Mm-hmm. yeah and so like if if you don't know the area that you're traveling on let's say you're in Tatooine and you're just on a speeder bike and you're just going and you have no idea that there's a starlight pit and you go speedering over him he can easily grab you or if people are traveling with like bantha or something he can like and then like suck him up so yeah they are dangerous but yeah probably the easiest to avoid other than you probably will never see yourself just like walking around in space and seeing a space one there's not like super dangerous pothole yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> it's not like they're like dragging sand in around them like making like a sand like hurricane uh, hurricane's too strong of a word but like if you've ever played like mario kart you know the sand level where it's got like that giant pit of sand that's just going down to the center it's, oh, it's not like in that yeah yeah it's, it's yes right it's not like generating one of those around it that like kind of slowly pulls things in right mm-hmm. it's, it's just like normal sand he, around it he does have the the tentacles though so it's right you know Though in the Star Wars episode, it looks like the tentacles are pretty short, so maybe he's just dug too deep. I don't know. I'd they also could reach pretty far. That happened in like the the eighties. That's um, fair. And That's so they're fair. you know not like <laughs> it's nothing like they could do today. I'm sure it would. Be That's a good point. A little bit different. Um, but I could be wrong. I don't know. Um, and if you do look at the picture that I did have of the Sarlacc, other than the picture from the movie, it um, you guys won't be able to see it if you're like look at it if you're listening to us but it does have a lot of other tentacles throughout the rest of its body that you never do see and that helps it um, dig its holes and um, the pit itself that can actually also have some hollow parts and so it does have a little bit of wiggle room in that pit and he also could move if he wanted to but he they they, they just don't um, serve energy and i know the number one question you guys ask yourself throughout the day is not why am I here? Where am I going after I die? It's how do these things get born? That's my question. I wake <laughs> up in the morning going, what the heck? How are they born? Where do they come from? And honestly, I was kind of surprised when I found this out. So they are actually spore. Spores, mm. plural. So Ain't we all? When, when, so a female spore is bigger than a male. And when they meet, uh, the male literally eats the female spore until he's big like bigger and then keeps getting bigger keeps getting bigger and then bursts and then release millions of spores and then that process continues and it's gross um so they create like a bunch of spores but do these spores eventually become sarlacc pits well so that that process continues over hundreds of thousands of years because sarlaccs take about thirty thousand years to completely mature um and so that process takes a lot longer than just male eats female blows up um true so he would eat the female and then he'd get bigger feed on things keep getting bigger until he's ready to release the spores gotcha um so it's gross um i did have a little picture these guys look like little uh like little aliens chasing han solo they look gross so they do kind of look humanoid almost when they're younger so th- oh. those are baby sarlaccs. Those are oh, baby those sarlaccs. Those are the spores. I was oh, thinking spores I thought those were like one of the fungus. Others. Oh, no, sorry, sorry. I should specify not like fungus spores. Like they might start off smaller, but like more like bugs than they are like a bacteria. Gotcha. I was also picturing a fungus. I thought those were one of the no. other variations of a sarlacc. No, those are yeah. baby sarlaccs. They look like a little alien, like antenna yes. and all. Yep. But so I if think. you look close enough. Those right. aren't like arms and legs. It's just other tentacles. Uh huh. Yeah. So almost like fins, right? They're like yeah. fins. Yeah, exactly. And that's how they bury themselves. Um, so they bury themselves uh, with just part of them showing, um, and so they are able to catch prey much easier. And so let's let's talk about like in the movie when Boba Fett and everyone 
gets taken in the Sarlacc. So those things don't That's automatically sad, die. They kind of just fall all the way down. If you've seen the robot chicken mm-hmm. uh, episode, <laughs> they just kind of fall all the way to the bottom and then they're kind of just there. It's probably not like ground, but they, they're in that stomach. Uh-huh. And so once they get to the stomach area, um, these things release a um, immobilizing neurotoxin that causes tons of pain and just you can't move. And so then from that, you are either going to die by starvation or the stomach acid. And the stomach acid is very weak. That way it lasts for as long as possible. Exactly. It lasts for those thousands of years. That's why it doesn't need to eat that often because it's able to slowly process the things that get eaten. Um, Man, they must have the strongest like immune system to not get like food poisoning from food while it's going bad in their stomach. Right. Um, well, maybe like the the sarlacc acid almost preserves true. the food, you know. That's a good point. And yeah, maybe kills that's... any bacteria. That is a good point. But it's so weak that I would think it wouldn't be strong enough to do that. Maybe it's just very specifically built to kill bacteria, but not fully dissolve everything around it. Well, also bacteria very have a lot more like that's true, or a lot thinner barrier between them and the outside world than we do. Good point. Um, and so let's let's just do a little um, scenario here. Let's say, um, and this is probably exactly how Boba Fett got out, but he is a special case. So let's say you um, get this neurotoxin in you, and you're okay. starting to get eaten by this stomach acid, and then you finally gain your mobility back, and you're able to like start moving around. These sarlaccs have layers and layers of just teeth that delicious if you if you think of like the thing from saw or any of those things when you like if you like put your hand in something and then you can't pull it out because it's like there's like sharps barbs and stuff so that's Oof. that's what's keeping these people in even if they gain their mobility back they can't get out because of these teeth so it's that's like hundreds awful. of fish hooks keeping yes you exactly mm-hmm. that's and terrifying so man literally no they thanks. are just the perfect killer for the instant for like the the scenario that they're given there, there's nothing that can do what they do better and it's because i mean evolution has just made them these beasts of people that's um, man and, but also they gotta brush their teeth like so far down they gotta like fully eat the toothbrush to be able to get all of their teeth brushed <laughs> right that's rough um and as far as i know canon wise i believe boba fett is the only person to have ever survived do you know how that happened? Like, I've always heard that Boba Fett uh, got out of the Sarlacc pit after he fell in. In uh, episode, was it six? Five? Well, he goes into the Sarlacc pit. All, that whole Sarlacc pit thing happens in Return of the Jedi, which is episode six. Um, but I believe he doesn't crawl out for a, a little bit. Um, I don't know the exact way he crawls he, out. He's got time. He's got, like, thousands I mean, of years. <laughs> yeah, they'll keep him alive for thousands well, if we discover. It's from episode six that he falls in to Mandalorian season one is when we know right. he's out. Um and he does look disfigured a little bit. He does look like he's aged he's a lot. Days. He's definitely seen better days, right? Um and the thing is he was like in his prime mm-hmm. in episode uh six, and now he looks like an old man. I mean, I know the there it's different actors clearly the no no, it's the same actor but he well obviously he's live he's episode six was filmed in like the 80s oh oh sorry i i meant same actor as who played uh uh jango fett he played jango fett yes yes it's the Um, same actor that played jango fett but yeah like he's i think it works i think it works because it it looks like he's aged. i mean like i feel like stomach acid and being in a starlock pit will age you and and then once he gets out he's in the sand and that ages you way faster Uh yeah so do we know how much time oh. is in between six and the Mandalorian? Uh, is there yes, a canon I, answer for that? There is. I don't have it offhand. Okay, I was just wondering if that existed. So, like, it, if it there was exist. a way to figure out how much time generally he spent, or if it's just like yes. a, some time. Because gotcha. we, I mean, we know exactly because in okay. one of the episodes. I mean, I'm sure someone knows exactly. Somebody's because, done the math. Um, in Mandalorian, we know exactly how old uh, Din Djarin is. Sure. Um, because we know he was involved in he was a child during the 
um, time with Death Watch and the other Mandalorians, and they saved him. So we we know we have a very under, good understanding of when everything's taking place. Fair. I just don't have the exact number with me. Okay. And I don't um, know enough to figure that out. <laughs> from a quick search on Google, it seems that the Mandalorian is set about five years after the events of episode. Oh, he got out quick then. Uh, six. Took him only like like hard cutoff was only five years later. At yeah. the most, it took him five years. That's pretty good for no one else ever escaping in the existence. Well, I mean, as far as years. I could find canon-wise, I mean, I'm sure other right. people right. might have been able to escape, but I feel like if anyone was going to escape, I feel like Boba Fett can do it. Right. I want to um, know if he was surviving there for that long, if it actually was five years and not like a couple of months and then he was wandering for the last. I want to know what he was eating down there. Because that doesn't right. sound appetizing. <laughs> He's probably eating the other people getting. <laughs> oh no! Don't become a Wendigo, please. Uh, uh, uh. Got um, it all. One of the last things I wanted to mention with the Sarlaccs was that in the Star Wars universe, they have biologists, they have scientists, and this topic of what do we do about the Sarlacc has been heavily discussed in the universe, and hmm. how to maybe use it in, in science and medicine maybe how to get rid of them you know but scientists pretty much have unanimously decided that this starlight is way too dangerous to run tests on it and so we do not know very much about starlacks from what i've said like that's pretty much all the universe knows and because it's just like at least from like a biologic standpoint we would love to learn more, but we can't because it's so scary. The danger is just not worth the reward, the possible chance of reward. Yes. So that's, that's a good call. one more question about the Sarlacc. Um, so if you like tunneled down and like mm. up to its belly, do you think you could be relatively safe there? Or do you think it'd try and squish you with its like fin things? I'm sure it is able to defend itself. I don't think it would. I would think it would have a harder time knowing you're there. Um, it's got laser which, turrets down there. Which, as scary as this creature is, the next creature that I'm going to be talking about is even scarier because it literally eats Sarlacc. It's literally way cooler, I think you mean. It's probably also Both. an apex predator, right? Yes, 100%. Um, so there are definitely flaws to the Sarlacc, and I would say one of them is yeah, how does it defend itself from anywhere other than up top? Um, so let's talk about the beautiful great crate dragon. So cool. So Very I remember cool. when I was playing, I believe it was Knights of the Old Republic 1. Was it in yeah, 1? I think so. I think, yeah, I think so. You had to fight a crate dragon, or you, you could. You could go hunting for one and invite it. And that thing was awful. It was so difficult. Um, I'm pretty sure I had to fight it like a hundred times before I finally killed it. <laughs> Woof. Um, and so like from an early age, I mean, I played that game when I was really young, like crate dragons were just like a terrifying monster. Um, and so there are two types of crate dragons. We have the crate dragon, the normal one. Um, and it is, let me get the exact measurements so we can get them dressed up to get a size comparison compared to crate dragon versus sarlacc pit right um okay it doesn't have the measurements for this one but basically it's probably the, the size of a huge crocodile um but taller because it's more reptilian so for everyone listening it basically looks like a what are they called uh the dragon things Moto um, dragon Mono dragon, but just much bigger, um, with a lot of uh, spikes on its head and its back, and just terrifying teeth. This thing is terrifying. So and then, oh yes, Bryce. Oh, I was gonna say, I see that you also have a picture of the crate dragon from the Mandalorian, which is probably its most popular or most recent version, I should say. So, well, yeah. So there's there's two types of crate dragons. There's the one I just mentioned, and then there's the greater crate dragon. Getting ahead no. of things, dude. Yeah. You're good. Also, so, um, go for it. Uh, in KOTOR, you said uh, one. 
you fought a crate dragon. Is that the one with the the legs that looked like the kimono dragon? Yes, yes. It was uh, the crate, greater crate dragon that I will talk about next. Is new for like Mandalorian was its first appearance. It didn't exist until the Mandalorian. And oh, those okay. are look different, but they're also larger. Are, are they actually larger in size as well, or are they just purely yes. visually different? So, so if you imagine a large crocodile like as big as they get but taller and much bulkier that's the mm -hmm. normal crate dragon now right. the greater crate dragon has um it is monstrously big um actually mm -hmm. if you um remember in star wars a new hope the fourth movie right first one first one to come out whatever um c-3po is walking in the desert and he comes across a huge pile of bones Mm. That's said to be a uh, great uh, greater crate dragon, but oh, it's not a baby actually. One. Like, but when they made it, like the movie, obviously they didn't have that in mind. It's way bigger than that. Right. Um. You've seen the movie show. It's ginormous. So the size comparison is monstrous. Um. And so these guys, the greater ones, have ten legs, two massive horns, as well as lots of horns at their back, and a just massive tail which is probably about as long as its body it's just massive um that's crazy man they have 10 legs yes like uh remind me if i'm wrong but i don't remember seeing any legs on the one in the show that's because it's under the sand like 90 percent of the time yes yeah, so that one still has a, so huge it was huge <laughs> and you didn't see its legs and you didn't see a large portion of its body probably mm -hmm. um those things are so big and uh, Marvel, I don't know if there's an explanation for it, but it can bury itself, dig, and swim like it's sand is water. It just eats all the sand and then just spits it out the back. Probably. I don't I don't know. Um, I don't know how it works, but it's a very cool thing, nonetheless. Um, but both, I'm going to kind of talk about them as like the same, because they're, other than the fact of size, they're, you know, relatively the same creature. Um, they are obviously carnivorous they are alpha predators completely apex predators um they have spikes throughout their whole head their body um tatooine is definitely their home world and they live in the desert go figure are there any um, other like versions of these guys on other planets or like side like relations from a, on other planets of these no that we um, know of anyway so so the difference between the crate dragon and the sarlacc is these things would breed like normal animals would where right. the sarlacc was spores and so it could travel much more greater distance and stuff where crate dragons that's what keeps like, them on it keeps them here because you know the people don't i mean maybe they take them as pets and stuff but like oh, these things pet. were started like from the very beginning of like the star wars version of the great bang or whatever till now tatooine was their home world makes sense I imagine um, also with the crate dragons being so huge is that they probably might be very territorial and just dominate like a huge area because of the amount of food that they might need to eat. Mm -hmm. Oh, exactly. And so like if you look at the Mandalorian TV show, um, he stayed in the same area. These, um, I, I guess I can talk about it now. The the big greater ones are known to eat Sarlaccs. Um, and so the the place that he was living in the Mandalorian was a hollowed out empty sarlacc pit that he had killed mm. um and so they'll they definitely live in the same area um for you know their lives and then just hunt around their area and so if people like the people in the mandalorian start trying to civilize a place he gets territorial and then attacks and that's why he was eating their things destroying their cities and whatnot um, because these things are very territorial and so the bigger ones the bigger ones, probably less so, but the smaller ones, like the normal crate dragons, um, were obviously much, you could see the much more greater crate dragons were very rare. Um, and people hunted them for sports. Um, we do see in the Mandalorian TV show, one of the big reasons they're hunted is because they have pearls in them. Like the greater one had that huge pearl when they killed it, right. um, which is very, very valu valuable. Um, and so they, they are hunted for sport, but it is a not a... Like, not anyone can go out and kill a crate dragon. Like, you gotta be built of tougher stuff to be able to get it 
Done. Yeah, exactly. And in, in Knights of the Old Republic, um, it was like a huge deal when you came back and had killed that thing. Um, only the most elite hunters could ever claim, hey, I actually killed a crate dragon. Probably need uh, like a small thermonuclear device just to kill, honestly. <laughs> we just shoot a nuke. Pretty much. Like, I can't imagine this would be a very fun sport or like very fun to hunt these for sport. It, it just seems like a bad idea all around. Oh, 100%. Um, most people die fighting these things. I believe in yeah. uh, Night School Republic when you go to fight just the smaller one. Like you find dead bodies everywhere. You you can just loot everyone because everyone dies going to get it. Uh trying to fight it, right? Um, so as I mentioned, there are two species, the normal one and the greater one, but um there is a myth in on Tatooine, um sp- more in the uh Tuscan Raider legends, but it throughout Tatooine that there exists a different kind of crate dragon, which is a just a giant one with wings. So not only oh, ho, 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 ho. Can it be a swimming through the ground? It can also be flying. And can you imagine a ten-legged greater crate dragon with wings? Yeah, I can. It's very <laughs> cool. So that thing. I mean, it's only legend, but apparently, you know, legends come exist. from somewhere. Um, and I believe there was the the myth is that there's one, only but one. I could be wrong. Um, anyways, uh, so they're just huge. They are incredibly strong, and as we can tell, doesn't matter their size, they are super fast. Um, they can just appear from go from one place to another in no time at all without people hardly being able to react. They are just the best killers on the planet. Um, so, um, as we could tell from the uh, the Mandalorian show, but also in other res- uh, sources, um, these guys can uh, produce a very powerful venom. Um, mm-hmm. go figure called the crate venom um and it's mostly used to help them digest food and this is going to be much much more powerful and potent than the sarlacc one yeah um because they can not only use it to digest their food but they can use it as a weapon by spitting it from their mouth and it literally can dissolve any organic material i mean the greater one from the uh mandalorian tv show literally made people just melt it was it was um, so like yeah. awful, man. It went up onto that mountain. It was just like like a turret, just killing everything. Mm-hmm. I wonder if people ever try and like harvest that and use it as like a like poison on weapons or something like that. Oh, I'm that would sure. be the most dangerous thing to try and do. But yeah. super effective. It, like, corrodes your weapon too much. Yeah. Well, I, I was confused that people like ate the meat. I know, like, right? That sounds know, that sounds like a bad idea. <laughs> yeah. Sounds like a um, way to melt from the inside out. Like so if the sarlacc eats people and the crate eats the sarlacc, are you eating people if you eat the crate? <laughs> Probably. <laughs> I mean, by like several things removed. Yeah, right. <laughs> sounds like cannibalism just with extra steps. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so unlike sarlacc's crates were a danger for everyone. I mean, Sarlaccs, if you knew where they were, you could just avoid them. But with mm-hmm. uh, crate dragons, I mean, if you wanted to raise a civilization, if you wanted to, you know, there's lots of Jawas trying to to live and travel, they were threatened. Um, Tusken Raiders were threatened every single day. I think, I think every single person on Tatooine either was or should have been afraid yeah. every second that, hey, we could just die. Um, yeah. And I feel like the bigger cities like Mos Eisley and um, pretty sure that's like the biggest city there um, could probably protect itself from the smaller ones. But if a greater one came, I don't know what they would do. I just, I mm. like, it took them a huge camp of Tuscans, a huge camp of humans and the Mandalorian to be able to kill this great dragon. It was just With- by sheer luck. With every explosive that they had on hand that they could find, right. <laughs> like everything that they could get together, and even the explosives from the outside proved ineffective, right? right? Like they had yeah. to eat them, mm-hmm. which is just a testament to the armor plating this thing had on it. Oh yeah, I mean nothing was damaging it. It it took serious firepower from the inside of him. I mean, the Mandalorian even shot off like huge electricity inside of him and he just opened his mouth and let the Mandalorian fly out, but like it hardly even looked like it hurt him. It wasn't until mm-hmm. the explosion. That's true. Uh, yeah. So again, they could eat Sarlaccs. They could 
then they would you know live where they are and we've literally seen them destroy entire villages right um tuscan raiders feared them so much even though they were known as very very good and powerful warriors and even though they had you know studied them and generations and generations and generations of their own people had you know tried to figure out how to deal with them they never could Mm -hmm. um so these things were just so so cool Um, basically if you live on tatooine you're just like every day hoping and praying that this thing is just not going to have a bad day and decide to wipe out your entire city exactly your life is just like well we'll see if we die today and uh one of the main reasons why you know you might want to be going out there and hunting them and whatnot other than that very valuable pearl uh tuscans believed that the bones of the crate were imbued with powerful magic because they uh, i'm sure they didn't have like scientists and doctors in their civilization Mm -hmm. so being able to spit poison being able to travel under the sand being able to do all of this had to come from magic right that's the only reasonable answer and so they believed that within these creatures they could possess some sort of mystical something so do you know if the the pearls were literally like a clam pearl just no i believe that they're so valuable like the reason they're so valuable is because they only can be produced by crates okay but i I was meaning in that it's just like literally it's probably literally just a pearl i don't i don't i don't quite even know how a crate could produce a pearl but from what i've read online um the theory i don't know if it's canon um but at least the theories that i've read that possibly could become canon or are is that while crate dragons are going around swimming through sand and eating things um even if they're not eating sand while they're moving at least when they eat something they usually eat decently big bites of sand at the same time because they don't have hands to separate it and so because of that they get eat a lot of sand and a lot of stones and in those stones every once in a while there'll be a little piece or a chunk of uh kyber crystal which then over time since kyber crystals super durable can't be just like digested by the crate dragon it just over time becomes a pearl with just their crate dragon stomach trying to insulate it and trying to keep it from I changed that theory just a little bit because neat. Tatooine isn't known to have kyber crystals. Sorry to, no, I'm just to, saying that's what the fan it. theories are. No, but... no, it's, so it's cool, but like, but go back to just eating sand. Then the sand gets compressed and then atta- right. like hit by the venom, and then the venom presses it so much by just eating at it, eating at it, eating at it. As the more sand, then maybe that produces the pearl. I just don't know if kyber that being crystals said, have ever been found on Tatooine. That being said, there are um, again, I'm not, I don't know I. I'm not very familiar as to what is canon and what isn't. So again, this may not be canon either. But from some versions of uh, canon that I've read, there are also instances of people making lightsabers out of those pearls, the crate dragon pearls. So that's where the theory that it has a kyber crystal in the center, which is what makes it able to generate a lightsaber. I think that's where it comes from, is because of that. But I, which I, I think is know. pretty neat. It's, and it's the, very cool. The, the lightsaber that was made with a, a crate dragon pearl made like a really awful screaming the entire time it was on. So oh, that's doesn't, terrible. It, it makes like basically the scream of a crate dragon the entire time it's on. So it sounds like it wouldn't be great to always use, but it's dope is being able to maybe, hear it. Maybe that's what the Tuscan Raider used for a yeah. lightsaber. Maybe. But um, but I'm gonna but do a little, read, which is a little neat. side note really quick. Um. So anyone that's like judging us right now, this is a sci-fi fantasy. I, that's I know it's sci-fi equals like, but science fiction fantasy, you know, genre that has endless possibilities that has no backing by any science. So anything that we say is just us theorizing and talking. So we don't we don't know. I like Star Wars because I have like a child in heart, not because I'm like a <laughs> I study every you know. So like we're just it's just fun talking, right? Very. Um, but yeah, so I mean, like, I, I don't know. I think that's a really cool idea if that can be used as a kyber crystal, but I do not know. Again, don't know if that's canon. That's just what I no, know I've super read nice. things about that I think is, that's kind of neat. Pretty it's cool yeah, it's very cool. Um, and now, so remember that giant winged crate I was talking to you about? Vividly. Okay. <laughs> 
So after the Great Jedi Purge, that's episode three, uh, Return of the Sith or whatever it was called, right? Um, so a legend appeared in uh, the Tuscan camps and in, on Tatooine. A myth and legend arose that a powerful Jedi had killed a great winged crate dragon. And what Jedi was on Tatooine, if you remember, after episode three? The creepy old guy that likes watching uh, children from the shadows. Wow, that's a perfect description. I wasn't <laughs> expecting a quiz. I don't know. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Oh, Obi-Wan um, was on Tatooine. Um, and so I th think, obviously, this legend and everything could just be nonsense. But what if we saw this in the Obi-Wan TV show? That'd be nuts, man. My second That'd question so is, how many cool. crate dragons has Obi-Wan killed? Probably a few. I think how so. many times? I think he could do it. How many times did baby Luke almost die from a crate oh and Obi-Wan goodness. appear and save him? Save his life because baby Luke is just an idiot? <laughs> Absolutely. Maybe Obi-Wan invented the sport of hunting for crate dragons. <laughs> Everybody's Maybe. just trying to mimic him. I mean, the Everyone timeline else has been avoiding it. Up, but... Everyone's been avoiding it, but he's like, yo, I need some help to keep this freaking Luke kid alive. So I need to generate a bunch of people that'll hunt he these cuts things the down. crate population in half by that uh, by just doing that just to keep luke safe because luke's just a maniac and out trying to kill himself right but nonetheless i think it's super cool that you know these tuscan raiders really didn't know anything or much about jedi and so they obviously didn't say oh my gosh did you guys hear about that powerful jedi master named obi-wan uh -huh. kenobi um no they didn't say that but they would have probably been like a powerful wizard that used a flaming sword or something killed this giant, you know, like something like really crazy, but like, that's, that's just super cool. Just that theory of like that, the, the spark of the Jedi continue to live even in the Tusken Raiders Sick. after all the Jedi had pretty much died. I think it's just super notable that Obi-Wan was kind of a figure among uh Tusken Raider, almost like mythology, you know? Mm -hmm. Well, I mean, I think of it, you know, in uh, the Mandalorian, how he, can interact and talk to Tuscans all the time and they seem to not hate him or anything. I think to live on Tatooine as a hermit, like he would definitely oh, yeah. probably be with the, the the Tuscans more than he would with normal people because normal people can talk, they travel, they say, hey, I saw this Jedi. But Tuscans right. aren't going to do that and I think he probably would be involved with them a lot more than they would he would with people in Mos Eisley or other places. The, the odds of the sand people going and telling the Empire that he was right. there versus <laughs> normal people going and telling him, very different. I would trust the uh, sand people much more with keeping Good my secrets. Point. Totally. That's very so, interesting. I, I don't know which one I'd be... I mean, I okay, 100% more scared of a crate Dragon. But, <laughs> like... People can kill crate dragons more than they can kill sarlaccs. So, like, yeah. which ones? The you know, I feel like they're both such good killers for what they're made to do. And right. so, I was trying to decide. I was like, which one's better? They're. I don't think. I mean, I, I personally like crate dragons more because they're like really cool. But like, they're both just so different and so useful in what they're meant for that. Like, I, I don't even know. Um, but on for the most powerful, most feared, and most terrifyingly awesome creature in all of Tatooine. Are you guys ready? These guys these guys are terrifying. I think it was know, a mistake man. for them to put them into the Star Wars universe. They're just I can't, even, I can't even look at the pictures that you have on, man. Uh -huh. <laughs> I'm on a totally different window. <laughs> um, the Womp Rat. The most Whoa. disgusting, terrifying, worthless thing to exist. Um, so <laughs> Womp Rats were first introduced into Star Wars. We didn't see them, but we heard them being talked about um, in episode four, A New Hope with uh, Luke Skywalker. Um, so kind of backstory. We're trying to figure out how to blow up the Death Star, right? And someone, we now know because of uh, Rogue One, how to blow up this Death Star. It is a tiny little spot on this huge thing that is just over two meters tall. And or I'm about like, the size oh. of a womp rat. <laughs> well, yeah, right. And so like, what do we do? Like, that's impossible. Like, my targeting computers can't reach that. And then Luke comes and he's like, 
I used to bullseye womp rats in my T16 back home. They're not much bigger than two meters. And everyone's like, okay, good for you, 10-year-old kid or how 17-year-old kid. Country bumpkin (laughs) up in this, like, space rebel war. But, so that's how we get about the size of a womp rat. It's about two meters. Uh, It's massive for a rat, man. No, it's huge. I mean, that's awful. Um, Not only is it big, it's ugly, it's raggedy, it's got these just beady yellow eyes, um, and then it's like its hair. It's not like it's matted. The back of it, like on just down its spine, down to its tail, it's longer and spikier hair. It's just it's disgusting. Um, it almost looks like a a possum with like longer legs, right? And more teeth. Um, yeah, I was gonna say they kind of remind me of like coyotes, like what coyotes are in real life. They kind of seem like a I mean, to be fair, they're a little bit bigger than coyotes, but otherwise they seem like mm-hmm. an, an analogous to those guys. Mm, that's kind true. Of. From what I found, um, so the thing that makes them so just, you know, being able to at least live and thrive in a the world of Tatooine with, you know, the constant threat of Sarlax and crate dragons is it's each claw or each paw has three claws and they're very massive and can easily cut through organic material and whatnot. They also have these two giant fangs that can probably rip through meat like nothing. Um, and they do have a very long tail and ears. Ears are going to be used for obviously great hearing. Um, tails, I don't know, maybe vibrations and stuff. They're like earth Trying to sense something. if there's any crate dragons coming that they need to run from. Right. <laughs> there's any sarlacc shifting around under the sand. Uh-huh. <laughs> but these guys are not great. They do travel in packs, which helps them um but really they've they're like rats in our own world they have just mm-hmm. evolved and uh became become just like just able to survive in the just worst conditions um they don't need to eat that often they they can you know survive long periods of time without uh food they are very good at um surviving sandstorms they're very good at surviving just perilous adventures without water and you know, i mean they they can just they they can just survive on anything just like rats i wonder if uh like getting an infestation of womp rats on your ship after you go to Mos Eisley or any other <laughs> space port on Tatooine is like a real problem like you um, go up to a ship dock and then they're like dude you just came back from Tatooine we got to check your ship for womp rats man yeah we ain't dealing with that they're invasive <laughs> species I'd say it's more likely that you're gonna have a womp rat infestation in your cities um, than a ship because they're pretty big. But so we, I mean, we can talk about like a little bit their like tactics and stuff in a second. But basically, it is pretty debatable in my opinion whether they are dangerous or not. Um, because obviously, if me personally, if I was in the desert and I got attacked by one of these things, I'm dead. I, I'm I'm dead. But. Mm-hmm. If you get like a Mandalorian, or literally, if you you give me a gun, I'm fine. Um, and so these guys have learned that obviously, and learned to hunt in packs. And uh, they Can't their packs all can of us. be very big, and they are not timid creatures. These guys will literally go up to people. They will go like they will swarm Moss Eisley. They will just they will they just don't care. Um, they can survive off of eating garbage. They can get a hold of you and eat you. They don't care. They kind of just eat anything. Um, and they actually are known to live around Jawas and crate dragons um, and are also used as food for crate dragons. Um, and Jawas also kind of use these things as like cows almost and feed them to their like dewbacks and other creatures. A dewback is basically what you see in uh, Star Wars Episode Seven, like that giant lizard thing that stormtroopers ride mm-hmm. um mm, basically these things are just just fodder they are used to mm. feed other creatures and not much else and they're just like scavengers that live off of everyone else's garbage yes and so that's probably why they live near crate dragons right um they would probably eat their the, the scraps that they leave makes sense um but they were known from time to time to swarm villages and attack attack inhabitants um i'm sure if it's a smaller population that could be devastating. I mean, oh my you, goodness, you yeah. probably cannot prepare enough for something like this 
with the limited resources that people have in Tatooine. The invasion of the Womp Rats. Right. Um, and the thing is, there's just so many of them. Unlike Crate Dragons, unlike Sarlacc, these guys produce like crazy and are just able to just really cause problems. Um, but people pretty much of any caliber of life can hunt them and be relatively successful. Oh, I was going to say, I can see how it would be, um, they could be really dangerous to hunt. Because say you were out hunting for them and then you killed one of them and then you're like, oh man, great. You know, that was pretty fun. And then a bunch of beady eyes peer out of the darkness. And then you're like, well, yeah, there's more. Yikes. <laughs> That's like that nightmare of like, walking through the woods and looking out into the woods and just seeing a bunch of eyes looking back at you. That'd be terrifying. Just a bunch of little womp rats. Uh -huh. Knowing there's a right. bunch of them just coming at you. Velociraptor style sneaking up behind you. <laughs> I'd honestly rather be attacked by a velociraptor. Those things are so, <laughs> so ugly. Take the uh -huh. crate dragon any day over a pack of womp rats, man. <laughs> <laughs> at least the crate dragon will probably kill you fast. Right? Melting by acid or being pulled apart by a bunch Oof. of maybe not so <laughs> tiny teeth. Right. And, Tatooine uh, just sounds terrible in general. Oh, it's not a good planet. I Why mean, does anyone live there? Uh, you could make no money being a moisture farmer on a planet that has very little moisture. Sick. Sounds so good. I also think that's such a, a fun idea. I mean, can you imagine being George Lucas in the 70s and like, man, I'm making this, this planet all of uh, just desert. Which mm -hmm. terrible idea, but let's let's just pretend I'm gonna do it. And what would be the profession? Moisture, <laughs> like <laughs> farming water. It's the biggest resource on the planet. Well, it's the most needed. I mean, like that's what I meant. That's what I meant. Like the, yeah. the most, the most coveted. I guess is the best, yeah. better word for it. And do you think they're they're getting water from underground, or do you think it's sucking up any height like humidity that they can find? Yeah, I think it might be condensation. Yeah, which they're is like cooling something down and trying to pull all the yeah. water in the air, which means that those areas are just even more arid than normal. You're right. That's why their uh, Aunt Prue and Aunt Uncle Owen's house burned down so easily. <laughs> they, they, des they deserved to die if I'm just kidding. <laughs> oh, no. Honestly, though, the, the soundtrack during that so song or that scene, which is it's called Burning Homestead, is honestly one of the most only like it's probably the most moving piece of symphony i've ever heard it's Super so good. powerful um i guess just a little bit more about that's the um the womp rat would be the tuscan raiders use it again to feed like their animals i said jawas before i meant tuscan raiders um and they also use their teeth their claws and stuff for decorating their clothing maybe a necklace um i don't think they thought it was magic but they didn't really have many other resources other than probably like rocks and stuff because Tatooine's just an yeah. awful place. So they use that for decoration. It could also be your like a testament as a warrior. Yeah. Yeah. You have a bunch of like womp rat teeth and you'd be like, that dude has, uh, has seen some stuff. I'd Taste be more fear fearful of someone that had like a crate dragon like helmet. Oh man. <laughs> now, that would be legendary. You could probably make a helmet out of one of its teeth. Like one of yeah, I was just gonna things, say you know? the skull of it is way too big. Well, and the hide, I mean, it's so. I mean, you could probably make Tuscan or crate dragon like armor. Why does oh, that not still, exist? I bet it's so thick, man. Oh, what's true. that? What's that armor that Darth Bane had? You read those books, didn't you? Oh know? yeah, those were that was like a specific like. Uh, Start with a C or a K, right? It was like a crustacean that latched onto him and then okay. multiplied. It was so. literally so we're gonna I'm gonna mention it every episode. Magic the Gathering. It's like living armor. Yeah, yeah. It was yeah. a bunch of different it was it started out as just one and then they multiplied over like covering his entire body and it was just like a bunch of individual crustaceans that just latched onto him. That's you should great. cover that just, in an episode, man. I wanna know just about that. Always eating him. There's not much to him other than they were just awful and were constantly eating him a little bit. And so his life well, was if just he's... torturous. If he's considered a monster, you could do a, a whole podcast yeah, on him. He, I suppose that's true. He is he's a man a among men. Beast. God, I mean, uh, freak. Yeah. Like, while the uh, those did eat him alive, I think they also were able to deflect lightsabers, right? They were, oh, yes. So that was the cool, coolest armor. Yeah. But, it was I mean, it was good for him because it constantly filled him with rage. Yeah. 
therefore making his dark side energy power more powerful mm-hmm. um but still pretty pretty bad yeah it was a lot of benefits it, it a kept him safe like it was completely blaster proof and lightsaber proof they always were self-replenishing he didn't have to repair the armor and it made him more strong because it kept making him more angry but and terrifying. problem was yeah and terrifying but the problem was it was also slowly killing him so benefits and drawbacks making you stronger but also killing you slowly over time the sith lord doesn't really matter <laughs> I know, like, odds are he's going to get killed by his apprentice anyway, so who cares what, what his max lifespan is? Spoilers! I said odds are, that's just the way <laughs> that the Sith are built. That's their whole shtick. And yeah, we don't know how it ended. Job. We don't know who won. That's it's true. It's a cliffhanger. Mm. But, uh, so that wraps it up for the day. I really hope you guys enjoyed a Star Wars episode, because I will do them all day, every day. Yeah. Now Man. I want to make Womp Rat armor. <laughs> it be more just like clothes, like wearing furs. <laughs> it feels like he's just What are you doing? The most lavish fur in the galaxy. Womp rat Is it fur. Lavish? I like no, like, I feel like it's like a coyote, where it's real mangy and gross. You probably get fleas. Probably. Oh, maybe yeah. if you want splinters and paper cuts all day. <laughs> yeah. Just the worst chafing of your life. <laughs> oh, well, thank you so much for listening. And, I hope uh, you guys agree. Um, I put it in power order too. Is so yes. like great and then Womp Brat. Uh-huh. Very true. <laughs> Thank you so much for joining us today. We will catch you guys next week.